There he is, employee of the fucking month, once again. Three months in a row. Congratulations, Craig. I love you. Such a good, good employee. So, does Craig own any shares of Lomo Media? Uh, just yours. No, how did this happen? Like, why was I not informed of this? Because he's a bear and he was scaring me. And any advice on how to get those shares back? Cover yourself in honey and go and fight Craig. <laughs> that seems like a disadvantage to me personally. I feel like you'd be Don't more. You, but... You'd be more enthused about eating me. Um, well, welcome to After the Movies. I'm your host Aaron Mook with my co-host James Lombardo. Whoa! Second week. Here we are. Back at it. What's up, everybody? Back at it. Season five. Uh. My, I, I love the premise of this season, which is Lomo's Most Wanted. So it is, a, it is a back and forth of our favorite and some of our least favorite films of all time, um, which we will be talking about today because we watched Son of the Mask sequel. The, the sequel? I don't even know if you could call it that. I mean, sequel, technically. I think, though, that we're not doing it justice. I think... For the sake of the rest of the podcast, I would like to call it the award-winning Son of the Mask. We're talking Worst Movie of the Year, a Golden <laughs> Schmoes Award, one. Worst Picture, nominated. Worst Director, nominated. Worst Actor, nominated. Worst Supporting Actor, nominated. Worst Prequel or Sequel, one by the Golden Raspberry Awards. We also have... Worst actor, Jamie Kennedy, one. Most intrusive musical score, one. <laughs> Which worst, is true. That one's very true. <laughs> worst on-screen couple, Jamie Kennedy and anyone forced to co-star with him, one. <laughs> Most annoying fake accent, Cal Penn. Worst yes. sequel, oh. foulest family film, one by the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. So we would not be doing this film justice without calling it the award-winning Son of the Mask. Also a box office disaster. Guess with those numbers, what are we looking at? We're looking at a, uh, so basically it was a $100 million budget. They earned $59 million of that back. Yeah, that's not great. No, that's, um, not, that's not the direction you want to take, so. I can tell you, I, we've, I've told this story on the podcast before, but part of the reason I chose this movie, because there are, I, I will open with this. This was bad. There's not, I'm not defending this movie. This was bad. This was not exactly as bad as I remembered it being. I was cracking up the whole time. I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, but I was dying laughing for the majority of this film. And I there, will admit it. <laughs> I will admit there it. There are some bits that are so bad uh, or so gross that it is hard not to like make an audible noise. Uh, yeah. the, peeing, the peeing joke with the, oh, with the that baby was... is... First of all, it was actually funny to me when he was holding like several cups at once and there's like four streams of urine yeah uh, but then there's just like a one large discharge of urine like a fire hose so, of urine like a fire hose and it's so insane and over the top that i just couldn't believe what i was seeing um so i do i was among the people 
I guess I didn't pay to see this movie, but my mom paid for her and I to see this film in theaters. Uh, and that is part of why I chose it for this week. It's because I remember distinctly, this was, I think, probably the first time where I was, like, embarrassed. I had, like, secondhand embarrassment that my mom had to watch what I was watching. We should have brought your mom on the podcast today to see if she uh, remembers taking you to see this. And I should. Uh, maybe maybe I'll think? give her a call. Call at the her end in. Of this. Yeah, maybe we'll try to call her in. We've never done that before. But we could give it a... We could see if it works. Um... This movie, this movie, there's a couple of reviews I'd like to hit, too. Um, Richard Roper said, In the five years of co-hosting this show, uh, the show that we initially stole our name from, <laughs> uh, this is the closest I've ever come to walking out halfway through a film. And now that I have finished it, I wish I had. Um, the, the Even worse... Um, Lou Lumeric, uh, in from the New York Post, gave the film a zero-star rating and said, Parents who let their kids see this stinker should be brought up on abuse charges. So should the movie ratings board that let this suggestive mess slip by with a PG rating. I don't really care about that second part, but it is very intense. The hatred is very intense when you uh, think that people who take their kids to the movie should, should be brought up on abuse charges. Um... I mean, this, I hate to say it, but this film killed, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it killed a lot of film careers. I mean, l directed by Lawrence Gutterman, that was about it after that. And then Trailer Howard would go on to play another movie 11 years later. Um, so not, uh, not great for the cast. Lawrence Gutterman, um, another movie he directed that my parents took me to see that I do, that I remember loving. And I don't know, I mean, I'm sure it's probably not, like, a great movie. But uh, Cats and Dogs, um, before this came out, that was, like, a children family film with... I remember that movie. It's The Secret Agent, right? The cats yeah, they're, like, they're, they're like talking cats and dogs that are, like, at war with each other, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a good movie. Yeah, I remember, I remember really enjoying that when I saw it. So I don't know that I can totally blame this on him. Um, certainly, if you look into this, a troubled production... Um, they tried to get Jim Carrey back, and in fact, before this became what it was, Nintendo Power Magazine ran a competition, um, or a sweepstakes kind of thing, uh, where one reader would be able to be in the film, probably in like a cameo role or an extra role or something. Um, and then the film, at the time just mask the mask two presumably with jim carrey um was canceled because after ace ventura uh when nature calls ace ventura when nature calls after that jim carrey said he no longer was was very interested in doing sequels um if you watch jamie kennedy's youtube channel he has uploaded some this is actually a, a fairly interesting channel um he kind of just like talks about his experiences in Hollywood pretty openly, it seems. Um, and he has, like, a two-parter on the production of Son of the Mask and how much, how back and forth he was on even accepting the position. Oh, um, was this before or after he won the Nintendo Power competition to star in the film? <laughs> so, this was after... Um, yes, he was, in fact, the winner of the... Nobody knew who Jamie Kennedy was. 
the Jamie Kennedy experiment came after the Nintendo Power sweepstakes. Um, but uh, he talks about, like, he didn't want to take this for a number of reasons, one of which being how little time he has as the mask in this. And it's true. I mean, like, it was true for the script, and it's also true when you're watching the finished product. He literally has two scenes as the mask in this. Um, the first one is, like, at the beginning, after he finds the mask for the first time, he sings uh, a remix of Can't Take My Eyes Off of You. Uh, insane, horrible sequence. Um, and then at the end of the film, then the, the baby, uh, I don't know if the baby actually ever wears the mask. I don't think no. it does. Nope. But the dog wears the mask. Um, and then at the end of the film, it's brought back to him and he, he puts it on for a short period of time. He has like plastic hair. Yeah. It's, it's very uncanny. The, uh, the makeup done when he's wearing the mask and it just, everything seems so stiff. He's like, hello, baby. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> get in the car, baby. He doesn't like, sound oh. like Jamie Kennedy at all. Which maybe is good for Jamie Kennedy. Maybe he like was actually able to do a voice that is different from Jamie Kennedy's voice. But the it's insane. He has like plastic hair, and what I do like, I think that this movie is interesting, which is not good. I think it's interesting because it is like such a unique failure, and the jokes are like so bad. Like, there is one of the jokes at the beginning of the movie, when I knew that I was, like, in for an experience, is that when he first becomes the mask, he's trying to get into this party, and there's a bouncer. And the bouncer, first of all, my favorite thing... Oh, yeah, that one. My favorite thing about these movies, and this goes for the original one, too, which I don't think is a great movie. I've rewatched it semi-recently. It's way better than this. Leagues better than this. I actually, I mean, I think it's kind of more of a nostalgia thing. Um... My favorite part of these movies is that nobody reacts properly to the fact that there is, like, a real-life cartoon happening. Yeah, no, uh, not at all. And my favorite, like, in, in the original movie, Jim Carrey gets apprehended by police, and they go, freeze! And they all, like, point his guns at him, and he literally freezes. And instead of, like, anyone being like, oh, my God, like, one of the cops just goes like, ah, wise guy, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> they just don't care. Similar in this one, Alan Cumming, who plays Loki, uh, actually, well, probably one of the better parts of the movie, to be honest. Um, he, uh, he's, he's, like, going around with all these different disguises to investigate these babies. And one of them is a vacuum cleaner salesman, and he vacuums a lady up. Yep, into right into the, into the vacuum. vacuum. And she says, like, I, this is not verbatim, but essentially the joke is that, like, in, from inside the vacuum, she goes, like, this is not good customer service. <laughs> or when, or after, or after the first scene of Jamie Kennedy as the mask, he's at that work party. And after the musical number going around, everybody at work the next day is just like, I didn't know you had it in you. I didn't right. know he had that. Like, what do you mean? Him turning into a tornado? You didn't know he had it in him? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, that's I didn't like, know you had it in you. So the joke that I was getting at it the, in the beginning when I was like, oh no, is that it's literally the joke is just that the bouncer misheard what he, or the, the joke is that Jamie Kennedy misheard what he said. So 
The bouncer says, I'm going to need to see some ID. And he pulls out a giant IV bag and like a med- you know, like medical instrument. And the guy goes, I said ID, not IV. Like that's the level of a joke that we're working with. Here. And then, and like, and then he pulls. He's like, "Must be in my other pants." And he just pulls. It <laughs> I don't. I'm gonna just go on a limb. I don't think this is the worst movie we've watched for the podcast. I think. No, it's think, not. No, The Conjuring was the worst. <laughs> I think that I would rather watch this again than The Conjuring because it is like short and it is bad, but it is kind of unbelievable how bad it is and in that sense it, there's parts of it that you can enjoy uh it's not boring like you will get through this movie very quickly i think yeah um, you might you'll probably roll your eyes a lot but um yeah i sat here pulled it up on my second monitor i was doing some things for lomo and i'm just like watching it and i look it over and I'm like, what is happening <laughs> what is going on there were some times too. I even I even messaged you and I said, oh, "This movie's so bad, it's kind of good." Yeah, <laughs> and I stand yeah. by that. It's not. It's a terrible. It's a terrible movie. But when you have that comedy aspect and you just realize how bad it is, you can enjoy it better than a movie that was meant to be this like groundbreaking film and it's absolutely garbage. So there's two. I different- was listening. I was listening to a podcast, uh, a podcast I really like called With Gorley and Rust, who does largely horror movies, but they recently did an episode on Scary Movie, which I rewatched as well, and it has many hits and misses, also way better than this movie. Um, but Paul Rust said something that kind of stuck with me when I went into this, and he was like, comedies are kind of unique because like, even if they're bad, if you go into it with like an open demeanor and just tell yourself like i'm just gonna let myself laugh like if something mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to be sophisticated level of humor it's just like if something makes you laugh i'm just gonna let myself enjoy it and so like the pee joke very dumb very gross and over the top but it got a laugh out of me i mean it really did if i'm being honest and that's i i'm not saying that that's the funniest thing we've ever covered on the podcast but I'm just being real. Actually, I more left, than anything. Oh, go ahead. I left every time I saw Odin because just the way he was like, Loki! And he'd just pop out of a wall. Loki! I, 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 he was like a zombie taking over one of the civilians. He's like, I yeah. told you, Loki. I told you. Kind of like Little Nicky. This movie is kind of like Little Nicky in that way. It is, actually. They're being the, the brothers are taking over people and stuff. Um, I did. I also laughed. I think when Loki shows up and like yells at, or Odin shows up and yells at Loki, and Loki's like, "You're gonna wake the baby." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> sorry." Um, there were. I think that you can kind of watch this movie, and sometimes you can tell that a joke probably worked in the script, but just did not. You know, from from an acting perspective or from an editing perspective, um, I think that you can kind of tell when it just didn't land. On yeah, film. I mean, we've we've talked about it on the other side of this, where you know, a good performance wasn't ever going to fix bad dialogue written in a script or just right. on natural dialogue. So it's interesting that you say that 
you know, the joke might have landed in the writer's room or, you know, when the writers were talking about it, but it did not land when the performance. Yeah. Well, Alan Cumming is gen is genuinely a very good actor. Um, he is in what did I just Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. At Pee Wee, and uh, he was in um, Eyes Wide Shut. He was the the hotel receptionist, the front desk guy that tells him about Nick. Um, Tom Cruise goes in to ask him if if Nick is staying at the hotel. Oh yeah. Everything. And he's the guy that tells him, oh, like he was, you know, escorted out by these guys. Alan Cummings, um, another one of those actors where you n- know that he's in things, but he does such a good job that you don't know he's in them. Character actor, chameleon kind of type for sure. Uh, I think that even, I mean, like, look, the writing is the writing. So like everybody gets their fair share of bad bits in this. But I do think that he's kind of a highlight of this. Um, he's like for better or for worse, given the material, giving movie his all um you get ben stein at the beginning he's the only connection to the original the mask um and he has his face removed and th- this movie's a i was gonna bring this up this movie's like a body horror film this movie is scarier than a the lot first of the time anybody's <laughs> the first time anybody's ever said that son of the mask is a body horror film this is, yeah, this was scarier than a lot of Cronenberg stuff. Um, the nose, uh, turning Ooh. the neighbor into a giant nose. I wanted to talk about that. That was that kind of freaked me out. I'm not gonna lie. When I was like, genuinely, oh. like, right? Nose, don't like that. It's like the Spy Kids thumb thing, which we we recently talked about Spy Kids because you and I watched The Faculty and we were talking a little bit about Robert Rodriguez mm-hmm. and maybe doing a season on him. Um, and, like, that's something that I remember being, I saw that in theaters, and as a kid, I remember being, like, it was the right level of wacky and, like, kind of dark and, like, a little disturbing, but also, like, um, you know, not enough that it was going to give me nightmares. But this is, like, kind of that taken to another level, I think. Yeah. Um, especially when she's just, like, doesn't know. And she's like walking around with her arms outstretched, just like trying to figure out like what has happened to her life now because her head is a giant nose. Yeah, that's not the. I mean, of all of the senses that you would want to kind of guide you, smell is not really one of them. No, absolutely not. Um, the other part is <laughs> so dumb. And Loki is playing. What is it? Super Twister. It's just Twister, but it's like for people who have Mr. Fantastic powers and the baby that he's playing with the child and the baby's ear, uh, like dislodges and like stretches like Mr. Fantastic to touch a, actually it tickles. I think his ear tickles Alan Cummings like armpit or something. Anytime the baby had to be like animated or however they did it, it creeped me out. I'm just going to be honest with you. Anytime that the baby had to do something that the normal baby playing the character couldn't do, I was like, ugh, ugh. (laughs) Part of the reason Jamie Kennedy took this was because he was impressed with the special effects. And watching back now, it is, like, terrifying. Uh, Special effects in this were great. I mean, when they're at that, like, circus, and Alan Cummings, like, doing all of the things that's going on, and... That was so, wild. Now they're fighting each other. That was crazy to me. The one thing that I was going to bring up that I think this movie does not get enough 
credit for, and I'll say that, is like it looks very good and like cartoonish. It's very distinct. It's it's kind of a Tim Burton y thing. Yeah. Um it feels a little bit like those live action Dr. Seuss, which is also like its own horror story. But like it looks a little bit like the live action cat in the hat kind of stuff. You have these houses that are the colors of everything. They pop so vividly, and um, there are moments of like practical effects. The carnival thing, for sure, where Loki turns into this like test your strength. It looked like Beetlejuice when Beetlejuice does kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, take away all of the of the like you know, take away the performances, take away the dialogue, take away the jokes that don't land, just from a visual perspective, this movie is one of the best. And I'll be open to say that just visually pleasing the special effects, how well they're done, the scenes that they're implemented them in. I mean, that's, I mean, that's why they had a hundred million dollar budget though. And they could never uh, recover that, but it looked nice. Right. I mean, the special effects were cool. And when Loki turns into that pencil. Yes. And it's coming down. That's really well done. And then when all the shavings kind of flutter off like, you know, the butterflies and then he reanimates almost. That was seamless. Yeah, I was when I was watching the finale of this, I was kind of shocked that the studio that this was like filmable. I, I, when I read it, I was like, I, if I think that if I was part of a studio and I read this on the script, my first reaction would be like, this is borderline impossible to pull off. Um, and while the rest of the movie may fail on a comedic front, um, in terms of just imagination, this is definitely maybe even surpasses the mask, not in terms of like, uh, again, being a good film, but just in terms of like the mask has a very cool conclusion that is also kind of creative. But I think this movie might top it in terms of uh, visual inspiration, creativity. Yeah, so we talk how good the movie looks and the special effects. Do you feel like the... So all of the time and attention to detail to those and to have Jamie Kennedy's mask just look so weird and plasticky is an interesting decision for me. He, he looks like Max Headroom. If you've ever seen like pictures or videos of Max Hedrum, who was a like this MTV character, and it was a guy mm, that wore yeah. a plastic, he had like the suit and the smile, and was kind of weird. And mm. there was like a brought up in an Eminem video within the past like ten years. Um, that's what it reminded me of. It's strange because that's the other thing is that like the dog and the child are largely cei or cgi excuse me um digital effects um some of which fare better than others i would say the dog is very very cartoonish yeah um and the baby is the dog look cool yeah i mean well and it fits for the vibe of this movie i think the baby looks you can tell that they tried to make it more of a realistic even when it's like moving and it's like mouth is moving, they tried to make it look as more of a realistic effect than just like, here's this cartoon dog running around with a green face. I wish they almost would have made the baby look more cartoonish because it was so uncanny in some of these scenes yep. and the way the baby was moving or talking, it was, it was disturbing at some points. There was a part where it's mouth. I can't, I'm trying to remember exactly why, but it's mouth was like a, like a rectangle. 
and was like yelling at the dog and it was terrifying it was like legit very uh, creepy and disturbing um so oh yeah i don't know uh there's um in terms of other things this movie i was like i Calpen doing a fake Calpen is uh, an Indian man, I believe. Uh, I should probably look that up so that I'm to make sure that I'm not being offensive. Uh, Calpen. I have him up here. Yeah, born to Indian uh, immigrant parents, so uh, raised in the U.S. Um, so, I mean, his decision, I guess, to do the voice, but. The fake Indian accent was alarming and unnecessary. Like, it's not funny. It doesn't add anything to it. There's not even... The movie doesn't even do anything to, like, make a joke of it. So it's not even like they're trying to have some kind of bad faith source of humor in terms of, like, oh, listen no. to his accent. But it's just, like, weird because I know Cal Penn doesn't have an accent. So uh, it's weird to hear him act with one. Um the boss played by Stephen Wright, comedian Stephen Wright. Yep. That was, <laughs> that was funny when I saw him. I was like, hey, I know Weird, you. yeah, interesting, weird, um, small part for him. Um, so there are, this movie just doesn't come together. Although the, the one thing that I think is really interesting when I call, when I say that this movie's interesting, like I had a thought experiment where I was like, what if The Mask didn't exist and this was the only movie of this kind i think that it would still be not good but i think that it would be i think it would get more credit for those things we talked about the visual style uh and sensibility and like how unique of a concept it is i mean i think really what's holding this back is um well, poor writing, but but in addition to poor writing, which you can't fix, get away from. I mean, that's just that that's how the movie is. Um, it doesn't help that it is tied to a relatively successful Jim Carrey film that a lot of people know and recognize and reference in pop culture. The Mask has a very cult following, I would say. People yeah. who like the Mask really love the Mask, and they want everybody else to like the Mask. Is what I've noticed. Yes. Yep. Um, and the mask, uh, again, not like a perfect movie by any means, but you run into th the mask is like a movie that's written properly, uh, and is like effective. Like the the there's a musical scene in the mask, the Cuban Pete scene, which they do reference yep. here in Son of the Mask. Uh, but in the mask, it's it it is. I don't know if it's like laugh out loud funny or anything, but it it is like effective and like and enjoyable. Yeah, I need to watch that film again in order. It's been so long since I've seen it, probably maybe six. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm not sure. Yeah, this movie just, uh, I mean, pales in comparison. The the can't take my eyes off of you scene is, like, awful. Uh, that, that, and it's, like, right in the beginning. It is, mm -hmm. it is terrible. Um, and then there's also a scene, this, again, it's kind of just tells you the level of jokes you're working with, like, when his wife is having an ultrasound, um, the baby, he's like looking at the screen and the baby starts dancing to the Cuban Pete song and another song. Uh, and 
it's just kind of that like random like humor kind of thing that it, you just like kind of roll your eyes and groan at and then that's kind of what separates this i think from better comedies how'd you feel at the towards the beginning when the baby blows his head up like a balloon i actually thought that that effect looked good it did look good um, it was weird was, as hell but it looked really good it was weird as hell um I thought that the movie... I will say this. The movie is not deep. Uh, we're talking about Son of the Mask here. Just a reminder. But there, it, it actually, I think, does somewhat handle its themes well of, like, new parenthood and this father who is... Um, yeah, you know, something that me and you both understand very well is being your parents. So yes. that's something that we could uh, speak on with great knowledge. Absolutely. Um, he, uh, the idea, you know, obviously in this film, it's because of this mask, but the idea that you are, you can kind of go crazy and almost think that your child is like purposely driving you up a wall like it's like almost like a malicious thing i think is something that probably a lot of new parents can relate to um, i mean that's still his kid right at the end of the day that's still jamie kennedy's child right it's not in real life <laughs> no, yeah 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 in real it was, life that's, it was... that's how jamie kennedy's real life child acts right that's well yeah and lawrence gutterman said did say the set was byob bring your own baby that makes um, sense so that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, not like it really matters. There's no reason to dive deep into the semantics of if that was truly, you know, born of the mask and still his son. But I was like, I oh. would look, there's not a lot of bad movies. I would say this about, and I'm, and I'm don't, I would not uh, put money on it being much better, but I did read that the original studio cut of this, or not studio cut, the original like director's cut of this was like an hour forty to two hours of footage mm. total, and the studio and it was supposed to be a lot more emotional and not like in a sense that it's like a drama, but it was supposed to be a lot more focused on like that those themes that I mentioned. And when brought to the studio, they were like, we just want, like, key jokes. And they, they cut it down to what it became. So, I want... Curious. I want the, I want the uh, director's cut. I want the Gutterman cut. Give me the Gutterman cut of Son of the Mask. I want it. Enough of these Hashtag. Snyder cuts. Give me the Gutterman cut. Yeah, could this be the viral... Uh, could this be the, the thing that launches Lomo Media into the viral? Give me the Gutterman. Give me the hashtag. Give me cut. the Gutterman. Get us, get us on the line with Jamie Kennedy. I want I want the Gutterman cut. Um, and uh, I think there was... I, think, I was going to say, I want a Cats and Dogs sequel while we're at it, but I think there already was one. <laughs> and oh. I don't know... I don't know if he was involved with it. Um, we just go back and we only do, like, movies we thought were good when we were 10 and 11. <laughs> just... I thought I thought about that. I I think that in the future there's potential. We got ideas, folks. There's you know we're kind of bouncing back and forth between director seasons and like specialty seasons. But there have been some discussions, and I do think childhood films would be an interesting one. Um, but 
the end of the day, I would say, having been the one that proposed this, that we watched this, uh, we did not recap the plot. <laughs> As you know, I'm trying to kind of tighten up the show a little bit. Uh, there is not really a plot to discuss here. Uh, man finds mask. It, it is basically the plot of the mask, except he has a baby. He impregnates his wife while wearing the mask. <laughs> Which is insane. And so he has this, like, cartoon baby and uh, hilarity or anti-hilarity ensues. But I would say that this was not as bad as I was expecting. And I would say that it is a it is not a good film. I wouldn't recommend it. But I would say that if you have some kind of weird interest with, like, failed movies mm -hmm. uh if you if you have an interest in movies that like by all means had the silver spoon and could have been something that audiences ate up and for whatever reason it went horribly horribly wrong you will get something out of this i think i just uh because i haven't picked my two films yet for my quote worst films but yeah. I did notice that there is a section on Wikipedia for box office bombs and has the list of box office bombs. So we might, uh, I might pick one um, off of there to kind of see. Oh, Dr. Doolittle's on there. The 1967 Dr. Doolittle. Oh, the original, original. No Eddie Murphy in that one. Oh, wow. No, uh, no Robert Downey Jr. I thought that when you said Doolittle, I thought you were referring to the the abomination that was apparently the Doolittle film that came out like last year that nobody talked about, and apparently, apparently it exists. I, I don't believe it. I haven't seen Triple X State of the Union. Oh my god, that movie was awful. Uh, you know what's on here though? Tenant. Uh. <laughs> no, it Tenet, is. Tenant is on the box office bombs <laughs> list. Yeah, it lost a hundred. It lost over a hundred million dollars. Oh my <laughs> god! I feel vindicated almost in my validated in my uh, kind of my dislike for for Tenet. That's crazy. Yep. Anyways, uh... with this little time while Aaron looks up Tenet, you. Give wow, a little validation 100, there. A hundred and sixty-three. Wait, 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 wait. Budget was two hundred million. Made three hundred and sixty-three is what I'm seeing. I think it was the other way around. But uh, I also have heard that a movie needs to double its budget in order to technically be profitable. Is what mm -hmm. I've heard. So that could also be just because it is technically in the green doesn't mean that it that, that it is in uh, the green when you're talking to like royalties and stuff you have to pay out yeah. still and everything like that. So, um, all right. Well, that is, I guess, our discussion on Son of the Mask, uh, appropriately all over the place and bizarre episode for an all over the place and bizarre film. Um, we do own the Lomo Lounge again. Um, we have bought it at a tax sale. Yes, we, yeah, we reacquired it at a, an estate sale. Um, and we fumigated, so M Knight is no longer in the building, um, that we know of. So, uh, the question is just: Do we open 
the lounge for Jamie Kennedy, Alan Cumming, and the CGI baby and dog. I hate to say this, Aaron, and we haven't said this much, you know, with the Lomo Lounge, but I hate to say it, but it's a holiday. We closed at two today, baby. We're already gone. <laughs> yeah. We're not even that's, there. Yep, that's true. Um, yeah, guys, you're going to have to, you're going to have to find somewhere else to, to turn. We can't let a baby in the bar. Mm-mm. We'll lose our license immediately, and we'll have to go through reacquiring the lounge all over again. We don't want to do that. No. Um so we are unfortunately going to have to turn this down. I would say Alan coming eyes wide shut. Come on through, you know. Yeah. Come have a come have a beverage. Tell us some tell us some Kubrick stories. But uh, here, but Alan coming Loki, you stay out of here. <laughs> Loki, Loki. Um, so, uh, with all that being said, thank you for listening to our insane episode of, on some of the mask. Well, Jimmy, don't end the podcast I, like that. Oh, what are you doing? Sorry. No, we got we got we got a couple of things to just a little bit of housekeeping. What are we watching next week? Uh, because it, the the ball's in your court in terms of your top oh three. yeah, I'm excited. So I hope that this one stands uh, the test of time. This was one of my favorite films in my teenage years. We're going to be watching a Jason, a Jason Statham classic, Crank. A film that I have heard good things about uh, and have not seen, so very exciting for me. Um, and I do know kind of the premise, and I am all in for crazy over-the-top action movies. So um, hopefully we have a lot of fun with this one. Later this week, we are going to be discussing the first of a, a little mini three-part series here on After the Movies. Uh, we are watching the first three original Star Trek films, um, now streaming on Hulu. So tune in on Thursday to hear that. Um, in the meantime, if you enjoy the show, we do appreciate you listening. Do us a favor, tell a friend about it, um, share an episode on social media. Uh, and if you really want to help us out, you can leave us uh, a five-star review on Apple podcasts. I will check, uh, to, you know, we've, we've got a few reviews, which is very great. Um, but a lot of them have just been ratings and not actual writing. I will be checking. And if you do write something, I will read it on the air. So, uh, do that for us. That would, that would be great. Um, and if you really enjoy the show, um, especially with my newfound, uh, financial situation, you can donate a few bucks to us. Um, and you can get some, some cool stuff. Why don't you tell them about that, Jimmy? Yeah, you can join our uh, Patreon, uh, which is the best way to support us. The money, as much as Aaron likes a joke, will not go right into Aaron's pocket. It goes right into a imaginary Lomo bank account where we spend it to get more gear and to make our content a little bit better and to buy a little bit nicer pizzas when we film together. Um, so you can join that. I'd like to thank Tyler Buckley, Jay Irvin and Dylan Painter. If you'd like to join them, that's patreon.com slash Lomo media. You can join for as little as $3 a month. And that money goes directly to us. We have a three, a five, a $10 tier, each with its own different things. Uh, the $10 tier. If you're interested, that one gets you a credit on all our things. And every uh, tier will get you early access to these podcasts on our Patreon as well. If you want to get a video format and a little early access, this one will already be up before you even know it. So. Yes. Um, and Jimmy is correct. The money will not go directly to me. However, it will go to the potential opportunity for us to, uh, to do this full time. Mm-hmm. So um, that is more so what I'm getting at. Uh, 
guys could help us out, we'd really appreciate it. But uh, regardless, we love that uh, people are loving the show. We've seen an increase in numbers recently, which is awesome. So if you're new here, welcome. Welcome. Um, and please uh, interact with us on social media. Let us know. We are, you know, at a stage in this show where we love to interact with people and we will take suggestions. I mean, we there's the at least a 70% chance that we will probably watch something if you suggest it. So please, um, you know, hop on Twitter, let us know, shoot us a message, let us know what you want to see, what you want to hear us talk about. Um, but until next time, uh, thank you so much for swinging by the lounge and we will see you later this week for Star Trek, the slow motion picture. The motion picture. The motion slow picture. Slow motion picture. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right. We'll see you on Thursday.